This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So in tonight's show we're going to discuss a topic which is much bigger than the amount of time we have for this evening. But we'll just talk a little bit about Ketanim and Choylim on Yom Kippur. Uh, all our shurim are always um, not meant to be used halach lamaisa, but perhaps this week is even more so not to be used halach lamaisa. Just uh, we'll just discuss a little bit some of the different halachic issues that come up with both ketanim on Yom Kippur as well as choylim. So let's start in the beginning with ketanim. Shochanarich writes in Mitafresh Tazayin, Hatinoiko is mutar mecholeilu. We have the Chamisha Nu Menyam Kippur, the five things that we're not allowed to do. So we have Achil and Shtia is one. We have Sicha, Rechitza, Nil Sasan, Vatash, Shamita. So says the Shochanarich, children are allowed to do all of those other things, except Nil Sasan, except children are not allowed to wear leather shoes. Why, says the Mechaber? Because it won't be so bad, it won't be so dangerous, it won't be so detrimental if they don't wear leather shoes. So therefore, simple reading of the Mechaber sounds like any child, any age, is not allowed to wear leather shoes. Even if the child is way beyond the age of Chinuch, even if the child is perhaps even under the age of Havana, you have a six-month-old baby, and you want to put the baby on these little booties, whatever, and you put them on the baby, their uh, leather. So it sounds like from the Shulchan Aruch that that's not allowed. Because Lamaisa, when it comes to Nilsa Sandal, all people are in the same boat. So Mr. Brewer explains the number two. He says, what's Pshat? So he says, what are, they, what are kids allowed to do? So kids are allowed to have Rechitza, and kids are allowed to have Sicha. Obviously, it's not a gay for kids to have Tash Shamita, Vachila Vishtiya. Why? <clears throat> Says Mr. Brewer, they never included children in this band. And therefore adults, not only is a child allowed to do it on his own, but the, chi- the adult can even give it to him. Normally something which is also an adult is not allowed to give to a child, but here it's not also. So if you want to uh, moisturize your child, again, some of these things are also anyways because of yamtif. Obviously, let's say, for example, to do some of the sicha would be also anyways because it's also to do certain types of shmearings even on yamtif. So therefore, uh, it wouldn't be so negeya, but if you could come up with something which would be mutter al Sim kippur, it would be allowed for a child, adult to give to a child. So like, let's say for example, to wash a baby. You're going to wash a baby in what type of water? So Mr. Bush speaks out. It's got to be cold water. You're not allowed to use hot water. You have to water if the water is previously heated up. Because he, bathing in warm water is not just a problem of Yom Kippur, it's a problem all Yom Tif, all Shabbos long as well. So now, says Mr. Brewer, what, what's the deal with children wearing leather shoes? Says Mr. Brewer, Because it's not considered uncomfortable for the child if he goes without wearing leather shoes. If you have the kid not eat, that's very uncomfortable. If you have the kid not wash, that's very uncomfortable. But if you don't, if the kid goes without leather shoes, it's not going to be the end of the world. As opposed to, These things are necessary for the growth of the child. So again, obviously, Mr. Bruce speaks out that all those other Inuyim, the kids need them. leather, a kid, can, a baby can go without wearing leather shoes. The two-year-old kid can, can go without wearing leather shoes. And therefore, says the Shulchan Aruch, they should preferably wear Tisha Yom Kippur type shoes. So there is a big discussion over amongst Achorin, what age are we talking about? 
A mom is talking about a three-month-old baby, a two-month-old baby, a two-year-old baby. What are we talking about? So Shmuel Ozni writes in Shevet Alevi number three. He says, Let's say you have a two to three-year-old. And a two-year-old, three-year-old has no idea which way is up. They don't know what Yom Kippur is. They don't know what Tisha B'Av is. So, so, so Shmuel says, "Memonshach, oy who kvar begeder efshel lechanich." Either that's already efshel lechanich, which I don't know what how bright the two and three-year-old kids were where Shmuel lived, but our two-year-old, three-year-olds are not up to chanich. He says, "Harim b'vor b'shochanarich tevadel lechanich." Then ena begeder zeh, and if they're not old enough, the yochel ahazik atzmoi. It could perhaps become dangerous. The kiyotz about us pshita demotegamlinol. So he's presenting the question of maybe at such a young age they take a need that shoe to to help them walk or to protect their feet. And if you're going to put them on anything else, if they go barefoot for the day, they could actually hurt themselves. So many echrenim point out today the case is actually very reversed. Today there's so many non-leather shoes that are available, right? Every kid wears Crocs today. All the Crocs are not made of leather, even though we had a share many years ago about wearing Crocs. Tamaze on Yom Kippur, we came out that it's mutter. But nonetheless, so many Akhrenim say the opposite. Rebbe was suggesting that maybe a little, little child, Taka needs it. What are you going to put the kid on? Barefoot, the kid's going to hurt himself. He's going to paint himself, whatever. He's going to step on things. But the Akhrenim flip it today. See what are you talking about? Today there's so many options, right? So many kid, little kids wear, leather, wear Crocs. Two, three, two-year-old and three-year-old babies wear Crocs. So put them on for the same price. You can put the baby on the Crocs and of putting the baby on the leather. In the Sefer Chanoi Chlanar, he writes, the Efshad the Bikotan be Yosef is Manenu, if a cotton is very small, Efshad the Hainu Havi Rebise. Maybe Hitaka needs that type of shoe footing. Then he would be allowed to wear leather. So again, the similar point that Rabbi Shmuel raised, that if you think for some reason that the child needs to wear a leather shoe because letting the child go barefoot would perhaps be dangerous, so then Avada would be mutter for the child to go barefoot. That wasn't what the Mechabah was talking about. And lastly, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky writes, Yolodim Ketana Pachon B'Gilchomish Paskins Biankiv, that babies under the age of five are not mechoyev in the inui, because without shoes or good fitting shoes, they can hurt themselves. Now again, that's not really the case today. Today, you know, <clears throat> there are so many substitutes for good shoes, so this lechayra would not necessarily be the case. So many people are makbid today. That even young children. I know my son is what my son is two and a half years old. He's not a gil chenech. I'm not going to lie. He definitely has no, doesn't know about yom kippur. So we're not going to put him on. I don't, I don't even know if he even has like who puts leather shoes on kids today. He put them on sneakers that are made out of plastic. So I'm not going to put him on leather shoes. I'll put him on the plastic Crocs like everyone else. This way he feels like he's part of the family. He's wearing Crocs. But uh, the Pash decision is that it's hard to imagine unless you have a special situation that you would be able to uh, justify giving a small child the leather as opposed to the, the average plastic that we have. Again, there's a different child. What happens if the kid takes it on his own? Okay, my son also, he likes to take his older sibling's shoes and put them on sometimes. Sometimes his sister's shoes, sometimes his brother's shoes. Okay, fine. So let's say I have a two-year-old baby who takes his sister's leather shoes and puts them on. Am I mechoyiv to stop him from putting on the leather shoes? Now, the pashtas is that if I hold that he's not allowed to wear the leather shoes, then I'm not allowed to give it to him either. And if I just said that uh, two-year-old kids don't need to wear leather shoes, this is not rebise, this is not for ben, this is not for health, this is just because he likes to wear them, so the chayr, I'd have to stop him. So that's a shayla in halacha. Let's say he takes it on his own, at what age do you have to stop him? Obviously, if he's a gil, you'd have to stop him. But let's say he's a little kid. So if you look over here, number six, in the Sefer Hilchas Chag B'chag, he writes, Also, the gedoyle mahanel hatinoikis minol v'sandol hoyol v'choyol v'mahanel v'minol. You're not allowed to put on your child any leather shoe because they can live without the leather shoe. V'shir zafilu b'kotem b'yoyse g'tinik b'nyamin. That even goes for the youngest baby. 
for a parent to actively put on a leather shoe on their child, that would be even for the youngest child, unless, like we saw from the other Echorinim, there is, you know, medical issues that you're worried that the, the child will walk around barefoot. Let's say the kid takes the shoe on his own. That ain't so yichlim chos biyod. The cold man she ain't about havana b'davizeh she'em milosh aslat so he's Then it depends how old the kid is. So my son who's two years old, he has no idea what yom kippur is. So then if he takes his sister's leather shoe, I don't have to stop him because he's technically, um, he's, no, he's not begad the chinuch. Ach mekomo ke mishosh egiad the chinuch. The hainu kishem even inyan tainus yom kippur in the middle. Tzarech lechan chish yichlim in almot. But when they're old enough and they understand a little bit about right and wrong and Yom Tif and Shabbos and Yom Kippur, so then you should try to tell them not to do it. So again, you shouldn't put it on the child yourself, but if the child takes it himself, you would not be obligated necessarily to take it away from the child at such a young age. We had a shear about um, a year ago, Tishabov, where we spoke about the famous theory that's out there, which it's not true, according, at least according to many Akhreidim, that uh, you're supposed to have a practice fast before your Baron Bas Mitzvah. Everyone says that the, the, you're supposed to do three fasts before your bar and three fasts before your bas mitzvah. So we mentioned from Hashem Azama that that's absolutely not true. It's 100% not true. Now, what about kids in fasting for Yom Kippur? So we mentioned back then that kids in fasting for Tisha B'Av is, is not a thing. And it was mistakenly borrowed from kids fasting on Yom Kippur. Now, kids fasting on Yom Kippur is a thing. What, what are the rules for kids for fasting on Yom Kippur? So if you look in Shulchan Aruch number 7, the Mechabah says like this, Katan Haberia, if you have a healthy, nine, healthy boy, so it depends, Ben Tesha Shalom Shleimah, if he's a full 9 years old, or Ben Esther Shalom Shleimah, if he's a full 10 years old, Mechanchem Oisel Shois. You give him Chinuch to fast a couple of hours. Ketzat, what does that mean? Says the Mechabah, You basically delay his meals. If breakfast is normally served at 8 o'clock in the morning, so on Yom Kippur morning you're serving at 9 o'clock in the morning. So everything is, a, is, a, is an hour later to get the child used to uh, not eating on demand. And you continue adding hours depending on how much the kid can handle. Same thing for a girl who's healthy. Ben Acha says, so let's say you have an 11 year old. So then, if they're 11, if they're 11 years old, boy or girl, which again you think should be different because a boy at 11 is still two years out of fasting. A girl at 11 is only one year out of fasting. So the Shulchan Aruch says they fast the whole day. They fast midrabbanon. Why could they the chanuch mitzvah to give them chanuch? Some say no. They don't have to finish the fast. You should rely on such opinion. If you have a child who's not strong, he's weak. He can handle a fast day. So then you should be saying and don't let him fast the whole day. Points out, whatever age you're deciding to be mechanach your child and eating, you should also be mechanach the other inuyim. You should also teach them they're not allowed to wash and they're not allowed to uh, shmir. Now, let's say you have a 12-year-old girl, and a 13-year-old boy in one day, they already proved that they are mature on a derived level by having two hairs. So then they're like a regular girl, then they have to fast because they're barren bas mitzvah. Avol says the mechaber. Let's say they didn't yet show; they didn't uh, produce shtei Cyrus. So amazing. According to the mechaber, simple reading of the mechaber: if you have a thirteen-year-old boy who hasn't shown shtei Cyrus, so uh, it's only midrabon. So he only has to finish the fast midrabon. Says the Ramo Avol Vafilu Hurach Bekochosh. Even if he's very shvach, tzarech lahashlim. Why the chashinah shem anishu asaris? We're still afraid that maybe the hairs fell off. 
So meaning, why don't we just be mekel? Every 13-year-old that's having a hard time fasting, just tell me you can be mekel. Because maybe you're only uh, 13, maybe you're only midirabonon, maybe you're still midirais, not by mitzvah. So the Ramah says, no, that we don't do. <clears throat> but katan shupachas mibenteisha, if a child is under the age of nine, he doesn't fast at all. That's uh, too dangerous. You can't make him be inui. You can't make him withhold anything. The nine-year-old needs to eat on demand, and therefore, no concept of fasting. So according to the Mechaber, the first time we start to talk about fasting is once you hit the age of nine and ten, then you talk about tiny little choice, and then once you hit eleven, it becomes a little longer, and then obviously twelve and thirteen. Mr. Brewer points out over here, number eight, he says, says to Mr. Brewer, you don't find that anyone fasts until they actually turn 13. It's against the Mechaber. The Mechaber sounds like at least once you hit nine there's something, and then when you're 11 there's something, but it says to Mr. Brewer, no one fasts in the year, of, in the 12th year. Apparently in Radin, no one was doing these. Uh, today it's cool to fast, so every little kid in elementary school wants to fast. But the Mr. Brewer points out in his time in Radin, no one fasted before they turned 13. Why? He says, Mr. Brewer points out, because it's harder to fast. I would uh, amplify that a million times today. Our kids eat more than any other generation. So for a kid not to eat, it's really, really painful. So therefore, says the Mr. Brewer, that it's too much pain. Unless you know he can handle it. Until they finish the 13th year, means he's fully, he's really talking about the 11th year and then the 12th year as well, that you don't really have to fast. Meaning, he wants to know why is no one fasting until the 11th year, the Ali Rabbis is not even fasting until the 12th year because of the same reason. So again, with kids, there's much room to be makele, even though again, there are plenty of people that try to push the kids to fast a little bit. Okay, now let's talk about, so that's kids. Let's talk about chaylum. So there's, there's a lot of people, Nabuch, some, some for good reasons, some for sad reasons. Right? We'll talk about the most the positive reason. You could be a Yolanda, someone had a baby, right? someone had a baby within three days of Yom Kippur, so they considered a Chayl. So what's their status? So if you look in Shochanach, the Shochanach writes, Chayl Sha'och Abyeim HaKippurim. Let's say a Chayl HaTi Reyim Kippur, and it's Yashiv Daitoy, Be'inyin Sha'och Levorach, and they're clear enough in their mind, they're able to make a bracha. They're able to bench. They have to mention, in the benching, they have to acknowledge that today is Yom Kippur. And, so the Mechavah comes up with a Chiddush over here, that when you're, when you're eating on Yom Kippur, which is somewhat contradictory, but when you eat on Yom Kippur and you're able to, you should at least acknowledge in the benching, you should acknowledge uh, the fact that it's Yom Kippur. Now the Pashtas is, even though the Shochanach doesn't write it explicitly, you also have to make a bracha rishayna. A person who eats on Yom Kippur, a chayla who eats on Yom Kippur, could also make a bracha rishayna on that eating. And here the, <coughs> the Chiddush over here is that he even makes a hisafa in the benching to fit the me'en hama'ara. We have a dinner, he's supposed to mention what's called the me'en hama'ara. Now you mention in the benching what's going on at that time. So if it's, uh, if it's yamtif, you insert yamtif. If it's rishchidish, you insert rishchidish. So here the Shochanach says on, on, on Yom Kippur, for a chayla you insert uh, that it's Yom Kippur. So the Magnavram quotes over here, what about Lecha Mishnah? Do you have to eat Lecha Mishnah in Yom Kippur? So the Magnavram writes, Uboitzei al Shnei Kikaris. And you're supposed to make Lecha Mishnah in Yom Kippur also. Quotes from the Knesset HaGadoyla. Okay? Then he writes, Vili Nira She'ein Sech. The Magnavram says, I disagree. I don't think you need to have Lecha Mishnah. Why? Because there was never a takon of Lecha Mishnah in Yom Kippur. And it goes without saying, if you have a chayl who's really not up to it, they're just eating just to survive. They also don't have to make kiddush. 
So the Magen Avram is assuming that there's no din Kiddush on a Choyle on Yom Kippur. There's also no din of Lecha for a Choyle. But he writes, Ubishibali halekit kaseh b'shei ma'arav avigdar katz, kivin shayoyim garam lo iser, since Be'etzim Yom Kippur does not allow you to eat, Ra'ak she pikuach nefesh, goyim lahet, but you have a het because of pikuach nefesh, v'havalididei k'choyl, and for you it's considered like weekday, it's not Yom Kippur. So, e'en boi lo'i kiddush, ala koyis v'lo'i askar b'bechazamazim. You don't do anything. Because, it, again, Yom Kippur doesn't create a seed but to bench. Because Yom Kippur doesn't create a seed but to eat. The only reason why you're allowed to eat is because for you, we don't look at it like it's Yom Kippur. We look at it like it's Tuesday. Therefore, says Rabbi Vigda Katz, there's no mention of anything. We don't treat it like it's Yom Kippur. So we have Machloik Yisachreinim. Says the Magen Avram, V'chein nearly. That's what I think. I think the Magen Avram that there's no Kiddush and there's no mention of it in the benching. And Pashtis no Lecha Mishnah either. Which is clearly a ma'ara to mention, the Gemara says that um, you don't have to mention. But you shouldn't be because I really think there should be no mention of anything in the benching because it's not uh, Yom Kippur, it's Tuesday for the Chayla. But the problem is, I can't argue on the Torah. The Torah already says you should, so mention it in the benching, but definitely don't make Kiddush. That definitely shouldn't do. And it sounds like you probably shouldn't do Lechem Mishnah either. Mishnah Paskins, that this din of a Chayla is not only for a Chayla. What about a kid? You have a 12 year old kid. The kid benches every single day, three times a day. The kid's a wonderful child. He's, he's by mitzvahs next week, but he's not fasting because uh, we learned that it's, uh, it's not good for young kids to fast. He sits down with a challah roll. So does he bench? So Mr. Bruce says the same thing as the Chayla. It's the same thing for the lady that has the baby. It's the same thing for the kid who's 12 years old, the 11-year-old, 10-year-old kid. They got a bench, and they bench with the mention of, of, of Yom Kippur. Says Mr. Bruce, So Mr. Bruce explains, why would you make these haskaras in the benching? So he says, because since for you, you're allowed to eat, so it's like a regular Yom This is a very long shashayla about how to look at Yom Kippur. Do you look at Yom Kippur as a, as a regular Yom Tif, which in theory I should eat, but the Yisurim don't want to allow me to eat? So therefore says the Mishnah Bruh that since now you have a head to eat, so it goes back to being a regular Yom Tif with, with no Yisur Achilles. So you make a Haskara. While the Magna Ram would probably tell you that uh, we don't look at it as if it's a Yom Tif of Achilles. Yom Kippur by definition is a Yom Tif of not eating. I, you're allowed to eat. The reason you're allowed to eat is because for you it's not like regular Yom Kippur. So Mr. Bruh says, what happens if it falls out on Shabbos? So Mr. Bruh says, if it falls out on Shabbos, you, you would say, would say also. And the Mishnah Bruh says, So Mishnah Bruh basically repeats the Psaq of the Magen Avram, that Avada, there's no Tzad that you're going to say Kiddush. You should mention all these things in the benching. But you definitely would not have to repeat the Shman Esrei. You could be saying, uh, the benching, because you could be saying, Mechan, the Magen Avram, the Rebbe Victor Katz, that with the Eved, you don't have to mention these things in the first place. Mr. Bura makes no mention of needing Lecha Mishnah. It's interesting, he doesn't mention Lecha Mishnah. So the Pashtas is, he holds you don't need Lecha Mishnah like the Magen Avram. But if you look in the Moruk Tzia from Rabbi Yaakov Emden, Yaakov Emden writes, The Magen Avram, again, this is also negated to an 11-year-old, you have a 12-year-old boy. 
The kids in yeshiva, he learns Gemara Rashi Tosis every day. And now comes in Kippur, he's not fasting. He's taking, he's eating at uh, five o'clock in the afternoon. So should he take two challah rolls? So according to the Magen Avram, no, no two challah rolls. According to the Knesset Agdeh, he has two challah rolls. Mishnah Bur doesn't say a word about the challah rolls about about Lecha Mishnah. Says Rabbi Yaakov Emden, the Magen Avram doesn't buy into the challah rolls. Omnam ha'ikur kedas ha'sayvish etzarich l'fzerash te'akim k'mayi b'shabat v'yamtiv. Says the Rabbi Yaakov Emden, I disagree. I think you should have two challah rolls. Shavigam boy loy yored hamon. He says because he thinks that the man didn't fall on Yom Kippur. The man fell double portion of Yom Kippur. And therefore you have to have a Zeichel Amon. Therefore you have to have Lecha Mishnah. Ubevadi Yorad Pepez Kalechem Mishnah. Okay. So how do we pass in Allah Chalamaisa? So again, the Pashas of the Mishnah is that there's no mention of Lecha Mishnah. Yaakov Emden thinks for Dava Pashat, you have to have Lecha Mishnah. So the Matt Ephraim is an interesting Psach. He writes... You have to mention in the benching on Yom Kippur that it's uh, Yom Kippur. Says the you should have there are those that are makeup with everything. And they hold you don't even have to make yalva yalva. So I take no album like a mitzvah. So as the Matafrain picks size, he says, well, if it's a pain, if it's hard for the Khoila to get the second Lechemishna, then you don't have to do it. Okay, so let's say you have kids. A 12-year-old kid is breaking his fast on a, on a challah roll on a Yom Kippur day. It's not a big deal for him to get two challah rolls. So it sounds like from this Matafrain that maybe Hitaka should go and get, um, he should go and get uh, two challah rolls. But then he writes, But there's definitely no Kiddush. So again, from this matter from this of I, I would get the impression that if you have a 12-year-old boy or an 11-year-old girl that's going to be eating on, 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 on Yom Kippur, maybe the Takah should take Lacha Mishnah, and they should uh, have, uh, instead of one Chalor roll, they should have two Chalor rolls. The Machtes HaShekel explains over here, what's Pshan, uh, there was no Lacha Mishnah on Yom Kippur. He said, V'yesh Tam the Tam Lechem Mishnah Zeichel Manwar. We have Lechem Mishnah on Shabbos Yom Tov. That's to commemorate the month. Kedisha B'Shabbos Daf Kofi Zayin Am Beis Dichsev Lektu Lechem Mishnah. We gathered. We took two portions in Erev Shabbos. Obiyoy Makipur Need the Loyar Bamon. So it says the Machzah Shekel Avad the month didn't fall on Yom Kippur. So if the month didn't fall on Yom Kippur, presumably we had two portions in Erev Yom Kippur. He does not think that we got double portions in Erev Yom Kippur. Given the Hutzvichum Mon the Yom Kippur. He says, why would you get double portions? The reason why we get double portions on Friday is because we need one portion for Friday and we need one portion for Shabbos. Tired of the Machzah Shekel, who needed a portion for Yom Kippur? You don't need any Yom Kippur. I'd rather know what you do Yom Kippur night. What would they eat Matzah Yom Kippur then? Meaning the years when they were in the Midbar, so they only got one portion on Erev Shabbos, on Erev Yom Kippur. So they ate on Erev Yom Kippur the whole portion, and nothing fell, and then nothing fell till the next morning. So I don't know what they did on Matzah Yom Kippur. He says, um, he says an interesting svara. Maybe the attacker did fall double portions in Evi Yom Kippur. Why? For the Chaylam. They knew what to eat on Shabbos. They knew what to eat, I'm sorry, on Yom Kippur. But he writes, So he says, at the end of the day, maybe, yeah, maybe not. He's glad convinced the Machsah Shekel, that, that, that convinced, he's, he's, he's open to the notion that maybe the attacker did fall Pishnayim. 
double portion on Erev Kippur, and still nonetheless is no din Lechem Mishnah, because Lechem Mishnah is only instituted when you're supposed to be eating. Not when a punk happens that a lady had a baby, you know, two days before Yom Kippur. So again, the, the, the feeling I get is that most contemporary Achorinim rule there is no Lechem Mishnah for Achayla, and presumably no Lechem Mishnah for Ketanim either. Again, there's no major downside. If the kid wants to have two Chalarols, good, but uh, it seems like that's not the practice. So Shmuel Kamenetsky writes this, number 15, he writes, V'om he wants to tie Nevada on a regular Yom Kippur. There was, there's no Din Lechem Mishnah. He comes up with a big Chiddush. This is a big Sugya, which uh, every rabbi talks about, Shabbos Shuvah, when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos. Though the rules change when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos. Meaning we keep on saying now that on a regular Yom Kippur, a chayla and a, t- and a cotton does not have to make Kiddush. And a chayla doesn't have to have Shteyal Lechem Mishnah. So it says Reb Shmuel, but not if Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos. Because we know there's a famous Reb Kivega maybe, Achrein, Mechsam Seifer, that maybe when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, then maybe you do have to reckon with Kiddush. Because Kiddush on Yom Tov is only the Rabbonah, and Kiddush on Shabbos is Deiraisa. So here Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky takes it a different angle. He wants to tell you that maybe you don't need to have Lechem Mishnah on a regular Yom Tov, regular Yom Kippur. But perhaps if Yom Kippur Shechalis B'Shabbos, which is not the case this year, maybe then you talk about have to have Lechem Mishnah. Okay, if you look in the Elof Lamata, he says clearly, not like that. He writes, the Efshet, the Gam, Lechem Mishnah, Tzarech B'Yam HaKippur M'Shechal B'Shabbos. He says, maybe, he says similar to Reb Shmuel, that maybe when Erev, that when Yom Kippur falls on a Shabbos, you should have to have Lechem Mishnah. But he writes, Umestimus HaPoyskim, Lenir came, but from the, the reading of the Poyskim, it doesn't sound like that. No one seems to make this case that when Yom Kippur falls on a Shabbos, then you have to have Lechem Mishnah. So they assume that when Yom Kippur falls on a Shabbos, it's the same as a regular Yom Kippur, and no Lechem Mishnah is needed. Okay. So if you look at Shemir Shabbos Kalchasa, he writes, Choyle Shetzorech Lechel Yom Kippur. If a Choyle needs to eat on Yom Kippur, Chayv Levarach Baruch Rishon. He's got to make a Baruch Rishon. Even though it doesn't say necessarily some of Furish and Shulchan Aruch over here, but in other places it's clear that if you're eating for medicinal reasons, you have to make a Baruch. Avol Aloy Kaddish, but there's no Kiddish. Now, like Shlomo Kamenetsky, he thinks like that uh, even if Yom Kippur falls on in Shabbos, there's still no reason for Lechem Mishnah. But he has to wash his hands for bread. He has to wash up till like you would for washing for regular for bread. If he's going to eat regular bread. If you're eating pachas pachas, it's different. But if you're talking about a real chayla, that they're going to eat a full, uh, again, a kid. A kid's going to eat an entire challah roll, then they should wash their hands like they would for regular bread. And he adds off that they should add into the benching like we saw already from the Shochanach. Now, here's an interesting shayla. The Shemir Shabbos Gachazi talks about, let's say you have... Let's say you have three men are in the hospital together of Yom Kippur. They all had uh, major surgeries before Yom Kippur and they're all chayli sheyesh basakhans. And they're all sitting together in the room on Yom Kippur and they're all sitting there eating challah rolls. Should they bench bezimun? They're all allowed to eat. It's Yom Kippur. They're all allowed to eat because they're all chaylim sheyesh basakhana. And the doctor says they have to eat. Should they bench bezimun? So Rishmur Shabbos Kachas writes in number 18, because again, just the background over here is that the Allah is, there's no concept of zimun when you're eating be'isr. If what you're doing is not mutter, either you're not mutter or the food's not mutter, then there's no concept of zimun. 
I'd say uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein has an interesting truth where he talks about a case where a guy joined the Zimun incorrectly. A guy, there was nine people eating shalshalus and they wanted to have ten people to bench Bezimun. So the guy strolls in after Shkia and someone gives him food to eat. So the Shaila was, maybe that's considered eating Be'isr because you're not supposed to eat after the Shkia. So maybe there is no concept of Zimun. Okay, concept of Shaila, metataz, also give. So Shmir Shabbos Kuchos, he says, what do you do in such a case? So he writes, Yizor He thinks, avoid the Shaila. Don't have three people eating together that, uh, that three Chaylam should not eat bread together. Why? So you should not run into the problem of, of, of Zimun. So Shemashavos is basically saying, I don't want to get involved in that Shaila, so to avoid the Shaila, don't eat together. On the footnote, he explains, he tells you to look in the Kafachayim, that the Kafachayim brings that Shaila about it, and he writes, he says, that's why I suggested that since it's a machlaikis apoiskim, if there'd even be zimun in such a case, so I suggested to never eat three people together. Then he writes, he thinks that even b'dievet, if three people did sit together, they shouldn't have a zimun. Why? He thinks the kafachaim is a shitose. The kafachaim has a big chiddush. The kafachaim thinks that if a choyel eats on Yom Kippur, he doesn't make a bracha rishayna, which is... Sounds a stickle against other halachas in Shulchan Aruch, but in any case, so the kafachaim is a shitase. But he writes in the bottom that I heard from Rabbi Shlomo Zalman the Eishes topic. Since the Torah said that on Yom Kippur you're supposed to be uncomfortable, but these people have to eat. He wants to taina that maybe by definition there's no such concept of kviyas. Kviyas means we're all eating together. There is no such concept of people eating together in Yom Kippur. In Yom Kippur we're all supposed to be uncomfortable. We're not supposed to be eating in groups. I, we're eating and we're eating because punct, we have a heter. But we're never really considered a group eating. And therefore he thinks in that case it's uh, very questionable if Bechla Yishab Ench Bezimah. Yakut Yosef says it's not even a shayla. Yakut Yosef, it's partial without a shayla you bench Bezimah. He says, why? He says, um, He explains on the footnote, because we're not doing any yisr. We're eating because we're allowed to eat, because we're all chaylim. We're eating beheter, we're eating keheter, and therefore we're eating food that's kosher. He says, without a doubt, they should be eat bezim. The Nitta Gavriel points out one more thing. Not only do you wash before the bread, not only do you say al not only do you bench zimun maybe, but even bench ma'imachrei, you wash ma'imachrei also, because for this person it's a regular suda. If it's a regular suda, I don't know if you're supposed to sing zmiras also on yom kippur if you eat. Probably not, but uh, it's a regular suda. If it's a regular suda, so you have to treat it like a regular bread meal and all the rules pertaining to a bread meal. Okay. That's for those people that are going to be allowed to eat before Yom Kippur comes. You know they're allowed to eat. They have a choyla. The doctor said you have to eat. Nothing to talk about. Now let's talk about a shayla that comes up so often. I've been involved in it uh, a couple times already. It's mamish. It's one of those things that people don't think about when it comes to Yom Kippur. Let's say you have a person who's not a great faster or a person who's a borderline medical condition, but the doctor says they can fast. Or I had this with a case with a woman who was pregnant, right? But they know that if they go to shul, their status is going to get worse. Meaning if I stay home the whole day and rest on the couch, I'll make it through Yom Kippur fine and dandy. I'll be shvach, but I won't have to break my fast. But if I go to shul, I walk to shul, I sit in shul, it's going to put me over the top. I'm going to have to break my fast. So is it kadai to go to shul to then cause myself to have to break my fast? So Shmir Shabbos Kachase writes it, and so do many other contemporary Achorinim. They write the following. Adam the person is having a hard time fasting and it's hard to go to shul. It's better to stay home and sit on your bed. 
There is no hetta for you to be able to eat a little bit so you can have the energy to go to shul. And you're doing a mitzvah when you sit on the couch and you sit on the bed. Because again, Rabbi say it doesn't say anywhere in the Chumash the only thing it does say in the Chumash is you have to be you know you have to fast so you have to fast you got to do whatever you can do to make it through the fast day the fast day fasting is the most important part of Yom Kippur everything else is all extra credit so if you know that going to shul is going to jeopardize your ability to fast it's a Dava Pasha that you're not supposed to go to shul under that circumstances and then on the footnote he brings even a bigger Chiddush from Yom let's say a guy says to himself listen if I go to shul I'm going to have to do Pachas Pachas if I stay home, I'm not going to have to do anything. So you might say to yourself, listen, pachas pachas is not really considered breaking your fast. Maybe it's Kadai so you can go to shul. But some Islam says, absolutely not. Says, all right, that's the answer. The answer is the whole, go- first of all, you could have it at home. Being in shul is not really anything. It's nice. It's a hitter. They're going to be wrong. But it's not a dinda raisa. Pachas mikishir is still a big question. We're going to talk about it. Even if you're eating pachas pachas mikishir, it's not mutter pachas pachas mikishir. It's just there's no courage of pachas pachas mikishir. But for, you're going to do pachas pachas just so you can sit in shul and hear the chazan sing on the sound of taikif. That's ridiculous. So, Yeah, so that I don't want to talk about. So that's what I don't want to talk about this year because I might want to save it for next year. Is the big tumult now that a lot of Paiskim are talking about that maybe it's Kadai instead of doing Pachas Pachas Mikashir, maybe it's Kadai to run an IV. Because Pachas Pachas Mikashir is still awesome. It's just that there's no curse. Running an IV might only be Nesid Rabbon because it's not Derech Achila. Then the problem with running an IV, you'd have to start the IV before Shabbos. Because starting the IV on Shabbos would be a Shiloh of Chabura, which would write to be Nesid Rice. So that's a big Shiloh that contemporary Paiskim are grappling with. And now again, now everything is more easy to run an IV. It's not as complicated as it used to be. You don't need to be in a hospital. You know, you can sit in your, in your living room and run, you can sit in your with an IV. They're probably going to make them, you know, uh, wireless and this, that, and the other. So as technology evolves, this might be a better option. So, um, someone was hacking me a few years ago about, um, about some places on Yom Kippur when they come across a patient who's not fully dehydrated, but he's on his way to dehydration. Then instead of giving him pachas pachas, they first run an IV. Which is very funny because running an IV, you're right, is only Nisad Rabbanon Al's the Achila, but the, the Chaburah is a Deiraisa. To run an IV, you gotta poke him. He's gonna bleed. So uh, it, uh, it would be very strange to imagine that they'd run the IV first before. Obviously, again, I'm not saying it's posh that if you come across a patient who's dehydrated, you're not gonna start Pachas Pachas. It's too late. He's not gonna get Pachas Pachas. It's not gonna do anything for him. Giving an ounce every nine, nine minutes or an ounce every four minutes is not gonna be. Right, you're not going to bring them back. It's not going to work. So you, you got to know. But I'm saying, if you come across a patient that's on the border and they say, no, why should I give him pachas pachas? Why don't I just run the IV? So again, most achroinim are, are not a big fan of running the IV. Even though, again, in Lumdis, it does sound like, especially if the IV was put in before Yomtev, it does sound like you're, you're limiting the amount of isur. But uh, I didn't want to get into that this year. I, I still might want to talk about it next year. So Blineder will put in a halt. So Rabbi Shem that even if a guy says to himself, listen, I'm going to go to shul. So if I go to shul, the worst case scenario is I'll do pachas pachas. So the Shem Zaman stay home. It's not kedai to go to shul. I tell this to people all the time. I tell this to people on Tisha B'av. I tell this to people on Yom Kippur. Same thing with Tisha B'av. Right? I tell people if, if, if I need to go to Kinnis. You don't need to go to Kinnis. What's Kinnis? Kinnis is not a Davish B'ktusha. Say Kinnis in your house. Don't say Kinnis. Don't say anywhere in Shulchan you know, Don't say you're supposed to say Kinnis. I, I don't mean you're not supposed to say Kinnis. But you don't have to go to Shul for Kinnis. So Kol Shagin Yom Kippur doesn't say anywhere you have to be in Shul the whole Yom Kippur. If you aren't feeling well, make sure you stay home. Or I tell uh, men if your wife is not feeling well, so you're going to come home from Shul also. 
and you're going to wash the kids so she can rest. Or you're going to buy. You're going to splurge for a babysitter. So uh, my 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 youngest, when my wife was pregnant with my youngest, it was a random kipper time, and it was early on, which is usually very difficult for the women. So my wife wasn't sure how she was going to make it through him kipper. So I called up a chosh of a rov and I said to him, you know, my wife is, you know, so she, so he tells me, you have to come home from shul. I said, I know the halach. I said, the only problem is I'm the rabbi. It's not so easy to slip out of shul for two, three hours in the middle of Musaf, you know, and go home and help your wife. So Baruch Hashem, she did okay on her own. She didn't need my help. But, uh, but that's posh, that's the halacha. Whether you're not feeling well or your spouse is not feeling well. If you can make sure someone can fast long and kid, but that's your obligation. Shul is a very second behind all of that. Mamish had a lady call me up a few years ago. She was pregnant and she wanted to walk to, walk to shul. But she told me, if I walk to shul, I'm going to have to break my fast. What should I do? I said, stay home. Because you want to walk, you want to be in shul? What do you want to be in shul for? Yeah, the fasting is the most important thing I need to keep. You got to get through the fasting. Everything else is extra credit. You know, everything else can, is, 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 it can be done by chidus. You know, uh, fasting is the one thing you want to do. Okay. So let's talk about the next level of situations. Says the Nita Gavriel. This is very typical. Guys are splitting headache, migraine. You know, caffeine, uh, whatever. Says this, Nitigavil, Afilu, Boyfin, and Motor, Likachtuf, and if he's allowed to take two Tylenol, which can't see talking if you have a very severe headache, you'd be allowed to. Why? Because Ramesh explains that, um, it becomes like a Chaylish Eim Basakana. The medication has no din of food. Taking a capsule or, or a Tylenol has no Hamna, it doesn't taste good. So that's not a Shaila food. So that would be Mutter if you're very severe, you have a very, very severe migraine or very severe, uh, whatever. But he writes, <laughs> He says a different level. So the first case was, go to shul and break the fast or stay home and not break the fast. So we said, it's possible you stay home. Here's the shayla is, should I come home from shul, take a nap? Or should I pop two Tylenol and cannot, and continue in shul? So Nitta Gavriel writes, no. If it's either go home, take a nap or pop two Tylenol, you should go home and take a nap first. Why? So Pashib Shah, you'd say, because Lamaisa, at the end of the day, medication and Yom Tiv is not so Pashit. So maybe that's why better. So he says something which I don't understand. He writes, K nearly, Shagam Shamavata, he did a chit, Mislikos, Vapiut, even though you're obviously going to miss part of the davening. This is obviously better than running into a Shiloh of medication on Yom Kippur. And you'll have a little bit more energy than saying the Tfilos Vavidui, Mechzor Shashat, will form Tsar Agro. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean, but uh, the point is, he thinks that the mice are taking medication always runs into a shiloh. So if you can avoid it, so again, for some people that nap won't help. Sometimes that 20 minute nap won't do anything for you. So if it won't do anything for you, so in that case, you'd be allowed to take the two, the pills. If Shmuel Kamenetsky Pasch is the same way also, he writes, You have a very bad headache that you need to lay down. At that point, you'd be allowed to take a medication that does not, uh, that's not, that's not right for eating, a capsule or a tablet. To get rid of the headache. He also says in that case, if it's either pill or nap, go with the nap. Why? So what he says in the bottom, I definitely don't understand. He writes, Because if the headache is so severe, you're already at the point of a that you are allowed to take medication on Yom Kippur. It's better to rest a little bit. Even though obviously if you're going to go home and take a nap, you're going to miss out on part of the avening. He thinks that somehow because you're fasting, the medicine might have an ill effect on you. It somehow might make things worse. I don't know. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. I call if you're a person. I don't know. Uh, I guess you take stuff on an empty stomach, but it depends. It depends on what you're taking. I don't know. To me, my gut feeling would be um, if a person is taka very shvach, 
to the point is that it's mutter 100% to take the two medications, and he probably should take the medication. If he's taka chayil shemesh sakonis, so chayil shemesh sakonis, mutter take medicine on Yom Kippur. Okay, now the truth is this whole notion that we mentioned earlier about um, staying home versus leaving is a mafur shach samsayf. Right, we, we, we all know from the last two years of Corona that we keep on talking about pandemics, pandemics, pandemics. Now there are plenty of pandemics before Corona hit. Right, one of the famous pandemics that the Chassam Soifer dealt with was the cholera outbreak. Chassam Soifer has many chuvas about it. So here's one of the famous chuvas, number 24. The doctors say, the experts doctors say, if a person leaves his house on an empty stomach, it's very dangerous. I guess he's, his immune system is down when he's fasting. So the, the, doc, the experts told, again, experts of the 18th century, 19th century, uh, early 19th century, told the Chassam Soifer that if a person goes out on an empty stomach in the streets when there's cholera, he's going he's gonna to get sick. So the, the, we're not sure what to do on Yom Kippur. Hashem should, you know, just heal everyone. But what do you do? If leaving your house is dangerous, so what are you doing in your kippers? The wording that you told me that the doctors say don't leave your house. I was medayik that it's only if you go out. But if you stay locked in, so then the cholera doesn't get you. So what's the shayla? So stay home. If you're telling me now that you can fast inside and not fast going to shul, so don't go to shul. It's before Shachsam Seifer. So this notion that it's either fast or go to shul is Mamish before Shachsam Seifer. Shachsam Seifer It's a no-brainer that if it's either go to shul or fast, as avada avada fasting is more important. So stay home. You don't go to shul. That's the end of the story. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, how much. One is permitted or not permitted to eat on Yom Kippur. So it says in Shulchan Aruch, Ha'oichel b'yem ha'kippurim kik ha'iseves. If a person eats the size of a ha'iseves, ha'iseves ha'gasa, a fat ha'iseves, ha'iv, he's ha'iv karis. Right? We learned in the Sunday morning share that Yom Kippur is unique because Yom Kippur carries karis. So if a person eats on Yom Kippur, he gets karis. What's the difference between karis and misa deshamayim? We spoke about that in Sunday morning shurim. Uh, the differences says the mechaber the mupachas. How much is that? Mupachas mikibeya maat. It's a little bit less than an egg. This amount is true for all people. All people are the same rule. No matter if you're a little midget, that's a nanas, or you're egmel chabosh and you're a monster truck. Everyone has the same size. Everyone is not allowed to eat the shiv of kaseves gas. Now the truth is. Usually on Yom Kippur, it's not usually a shayla of eating. Most of the time, it's usually a shayla of drinking. It's usually liquid. But uh, we'll just mention Achila. Again, I, I didn't really spend so much time going into the shulam for Achila. I was once, I remember I was once talking to a friend of mine who's a Rav, who's been a Rav for a while. I think he told me that uh, in his shul, they use peanut butter. Apparently, peanut butter is supposedly very good for bringing back um, blood sugar level or other things. So that's a trick. He told me that a lot of people that are chayla, that need, so not always is water always so good, but sometimes the peanut butter is, is very healthy. So I'm not really getting involved in the food area tonight. How much exactly is the things going to measure in food? Because it gets a little tricky. But again, about nine out of ten times, usually the shaylas are more liquid-based. You need a drink, you need a drink. Usually liquid, 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 so much... It's gonna. We're gonna. We'll see some numbers, but again, not all foods can always go into a shot glass. You know, uh, right? The liquids are easy, right? But even foods. They talk about foods and fluid ounces. 
it's very hard to eat food in fluid ounces. So like, you know, so that I'm just going to leave off. If anyone knows that they'll be in that shayla, obviously they should reach out to, uh, to a rough to discuss how that's going to work. So let's talk about why is Yashir Kaysev's gasa. And that's a little less than a kebeya. Now we know when we talk about macholim, the general rule of eating is usually what measurement? It's usually a kezayis. Now a kesevis is a little less than a kebeya, right? A kebeya is double a kezayis. So we're way off on our measurements over here. Why in Yom Kippur is it a kesevis and uh, everything else is a kezayis? And Mishnah explains, because you have to remember Yom Kippur never says don't eat. The Torah never says loisoycha. The Torah never says don't eat. Whenever the Torah says don't eat, so we have a tradition, however we know it, that loisoycha means kezayis. Achilles is kezayis. Grad, it comes up for sukkahs a little bit. How much do you have to eat the first night of sukkahs and how much are you not allowed to eat outside the sukkah? So it comes out for the first night of sukkahs, you're not allowed to eat more than a kebeah outside the sukkah. But on the first night of sukkahs, you have to eat a kezayis in the sukkah. And that's not consistent. So we spoke about this. We had this to share once on a Sunday morning why that's not necessarily consistent. Uh, but in any case, the Mishnah explains in number 26, even though normally we work with kezayis, so why all of a sudden over here we work with a new shir called the kezayis? So Mishnah Baruch explains, because that's when the Torah says eat. The Torah writes something different. The Torah says, be uncomfortable. So therefore, therefore, since the Torah says to be uncomfortable, so Chazal figured out that uh, if a person eats less than a kezeves, he's still not considered full. He's still considered uncomfortable. He's still considered hungry. So it's a different din. On Yom Kippur, it's not totally in a, it's not totally in achila, it's totally in inu. Therefore, the shu'urim reflect that as well. It's a big yusoy to keep in mind that the, the shu'urim for Yom Kippur are not your typical shu'urim because the isra on Yom Kippur is not your typical isra. Your typical isra is the Torah says, don't eat something. So then we say that's a kazai. But here the Torah didn't say, don't eat something. The Torah said, be, be inu. So therefore, even after you eat a kazai, you're still be inu. So therefore, until up to Lakhiseves is, uh, is not usr on, on Yom Kippur. Then the Shulchan Aruch writes, Ochal, the chaz of Ochal. What happens if you eat and then you stop and you eat again? Right? So, uh, how does that work? So Shulchan Aruch says, depends. If in the beginning of the first eating to the end of the last eating, it was within the time it takes to eat a pras, then it Then it all adds up and you'll be in a violation. Let's say a person eats uh, half a kaisevis at 1 o'clock and the other half of the kaisevis at 102. So now he consumed the full kaisevis, so he'd be chayv kars. Even though I didn't eat the whole kaisevis in one shot, but since it was in with kadeh achilas pras, those two things come connected. Now, shir achilas pras, how long is achilas pras? So there's a machloikish b'shoinim, yeshoimim arba beitzim, some say the time it takes to eat four eggs, yeshoimim shalosh beitzim, and some people say the time it takes to eat three eggs. So we'll see how that plays out, halach lamais. Now the truth is, the shir of kadeh achilas pras comes up in a million areas in halach. Not just on Yom Kippur. It's actually interesting. We'll see Bilinad in a few minutes from Rav Moshe Nechuva. It's on Yom Kippur is when we give it a different number. Right, the numbers we work with usually is anywhere between two and nine minutes. It's Negev to Bracha Achreina. It's Negev to Achilas Matzah. Maybe Negev to Kazais in the Sukkah. There's a lot of times when you need an Achila to be one. You want to know what's considered one long eating. So there's a range of anywhere between two and nine minutes. We'll see how to calculate that for Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is very Negev. Let's say you're giving a Chayla a little bit, a little bit. So you give the Chayla less than a Kesevis. And then you want to give the Chayla another less than a Kesevis. So how much time do you have to elapse between the two? So Shulchan has two sheets. One sheet is Kedechas Pras is the time it takes to eat four eggs and some say three eggs. Now the last one, the next line in Shulchan is very important. Says the Shulchan Avada eating less than the Shir still also. We passing Chatsi Shir also minatayra. You're not allowed to eat Chatsi Shir unless you don't get courage for it. This is why the argument that the Rabbanim are making. They say, if I give someone Pachas Mikashir, he's being over an Isser. He's not getting courage. But if I give a guy an IV fluid, 
It's only Nisad Rabban, it's not even Nisad Raisa. So that's a very compelling argument that maybe it's more good to give the Choylem IV than to give them Pachas Pachas. If I give you Pachas Pachas, Pachas Pachas is Chatsi Shir. Chatsi Shir is awesome in Atayra. But it's no Karis. Okay, Shkarech, there's no Karis. But it's still awesome. But if I run an IV line, that's considered Achilo, Shaloi Kederech Achila. Shaloi Kederech Achila, according to many Achrams, only Nisad Rabban. That, that's the argument for the pro IV, uh, IVers. Okay, so let's see how this plays out. Lahalach. Says the Shulchan Aruch. So how much are you not allowed to drink on Yom Kippur? So Achila is a Kaysevis. Fine. What about liquids? Says the Mechabra, If a person drinks Mole Lugmov, Mole Lugmov is a half a cheekful. Right? So it's really Kim Mole Lugmov. So it's a half, half of one cheek. So here it's not like food. When it came to food, the Shulchan Aruch said, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone, can, everyone who eats a kaseves is already over. Under a kaseves, is no, it, it, it's awesome, but there's no cars. Says the Mechaba, when it comes to liquids, liquids are different. Liquids, everyone's cheek falls are different. Says the Shulchan Aruch, Everyone's different. Mishtabur suggests that if a person knows he's going to have to eat any of he should test it out. He should test out his cheek full, his cheek size before Yom Kippur. Says the Shulchan Aruch, "Kemal Lugmav, Kemal Pachas Merivias Bademein." It's going to end up being less than Revius for your average person. V'chol Hamashkim it's start from the Kashir, and any liquids add up. So let's say, for example, a guy has a half a, lug, a half a mali lugmav of orange juice, then he has then he has a half a mali lugmav of water. So those two liquids combine to be a mali lugmav. If you drink something which is not considered, let's say you drink, you know, vinegar water, or you drink, you know, pickle juice, something disgusting, so that might not be considered. Fine. Same case. So again, so what do we come out with? So when it comes to food, the, the amount that's also, the amount that is chayv karis is a kaseves. Pachas mi kaseves is also a no chayv karis. But if it's within, if it's within kadeh pras, it's also a problem. What's the shift of liquids? So the shift of liquids is mali lugmav, one half cheekful. Doesn't matter how it doesn't. It matters how big you are. If you have a bigger cheek, it's a bigger share. Smaller cheek, smaller share. Says the shochan all liquids can can join. How much time has to elapse between drinking beverages? Says the shochan aruch. So let's say a guy drank a little bit, then he stopped. So a guy took a half a mali lugmav at one o'clock, and not a chayla. Guy he wants to be uh, beat the system. So he took a half a half a mali lugmav at one o'clock. At one o three, he took another half a mali lugmav. So the Shulchan Aruch says, "Shasim at v'chazav v'shasa." He had a little bit, then he had more. So im yesh mitchilas shti rishay not soif shti achrein kadeish kadeish If he had the time it takes to drink a revius, that's very little, very much less than kadeichilas pras. So according to the first sheet of mechaber, the way we measure it is not kadeichilas pras. The way we measure is the time it takes to drink reviews. But some say no. Some people say no. At the same time clock you have for eating, you have for drinking. So this is a very, very relevant machoikis rishonim. Why? Because if you hold, you can use kadeshtiyas, and the clock is much, much shorter. Why is the clock much shorter? Because the time it takes to drink, uh, to, to drink reviews, how long does it take to drink reviews? I think, I think some places place say very between 30 seconds and a minute. So if you hold it, that's the whole time limit. So the fees that you can have a guy drinking basically every two minutes. You, every two minutes you can have a mother, you can have a little less than a mother lugmav, which is huge. If you hold it works with like Kedechilas Pras, so you might have to wait nine minutes. So it's, that's a game changer. You want to give a guy a drink every a guy, a guy who's uh, borderline dehydrated. So you want to start giving him liquids. So if you're going to go like the first sheet, uh, so every, after every, every two minutes he, can get, he gets another half a half a lugmav, 
which is, let's say, an ounce. So every two minutes you give the guy an ounce, that's a lot of liquid consumed in a relatively short time. But if you've got to wait nine minutes, it's, uh, it's, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous, but it's a significant amount of time you're going to have to wait. So we'll have to see how we pass it. So if you look at the Mr. Brura, Mr. Brura says in number 29, It sounds like we're really passing like the first shita, which means the first shita holds that the, the, the clock for drinks are different than the clocks for eating. But the Gros says we go like the second shita. So that's a big shayla halacha. What do we do? Do we go with, for drinks, do we work with Kedechil's uh, Pras? Or do drinks, do we work with Kedech Tias Revis? And again, the truth is, hopefully we'll see it inside. But if not, Lamaisa, the Paiskimah Mekel, if the condition warrants it. Meaning, if you have a chayla that can handle nine minutes, so you do the drinking every nine minutes. But if you see the guy is, is <laughs> he needs it, then you could be saying, and perhaps uh, give it to him uh, more frequently. Ah, oh, so now we're up to a chayla. But this backdrop, now we can talk about a chayla. Says the Shulchan Aruch. If you're dealing with a chayla, so you give him to drink less than a mali lugmav. And how long do you wait? Oh, so the Shulchan Aruch says you got to wait the time it takes to eat four eggs. That's the kadeh achilas pras If you see it's not working, so here the Shulchan Aruch sounds like that you really got to wait pras. Okay? So you got to wait for liquid for Kedechilas Pras. Well, which is probably going to be nine minutes. Then the Shulchan Aruch says, When you're giving to a, a woman who had a baby, or a pregnant woman. Again, you want to space it out. This is what the concept called pachas pachas is. Pachas pachas is the idea of what we give to a chayla because it's not the amount that's chayv covers. Hilkach. We give like two thirds of an average egg. The issue, and you wait, how long do you wait? You wait the time it takes for four eggs, not three eggs. Vashtiya. What do you do for beverages? Says the Shochanach. Yivduku bechayla atzmei kamihi sheisalkenu letzarecha v'yirik kamayilugma. He tests them out. You put it in half a cheekful. That's how much you give. So the Mishnah writes over here. Rotsaloyma. Delinyan shtiyas malilugma tzarech l'shavet David loy b'dalma. When it comes to a cheekful, it's your cheekful, not the world's cheekful. K'day elbasim etof reish yud beis. You should fill up your mouth and then spit it out into a cup. And you should also test how long it takes you to eat four eggs. And that's how long, because again, is the time it takes to eat four eggs. So you should find out how long it takes you to eat four eggs. Says the Shochanach, but says Mr. Buv, I am Chuvis Sam Soifer, Shakosif, Shebehefsik, Ben Achila, Achila, Yikashir, Tesminotin. Mr. Buv does quote the Sam Soifer, the Sam Soifer says it should be nine minutes. Now it's interesting, between food and drink, you don't have to wait. Between drink and drink, you have to wait. Between food and food, you have to wait, but not between food and drink. Well, yeah, food and drink can go back to back. So Ramosha writes in the Chuva number 33, Ramosha says that even though there's a huge, um, um, Rel, there's a huge um, uh, different opinions about how to calculate a kedechilas pras. Ramosha writes, "V'tzarich lahachem b'shirachilas pras the sefer macheshes shupachos mishalsh minotin." That shir shatish minotin afshem achmiyah lemishin tzarich lahachem b'shirachilas pras. Who shir shleim estava klal? 
So for Chayla on Yom Kippur, you should try to go nine minutes. If it's too much, you can do four and a half. I saw the Macheshes who says it's three minutes. That makes the most sense to me. Okay, so he says he's really Chayshish on other areas for the Macheshes that it's uh, that it's three minutes. For Yom Kippur, he's not going to go so short. So for Yom Kippur, it's nine, unless it's uncomfortable, it's four and a half minutes. If you look in the Sefer Shurei Torah from Chaim Noi, he basically has anywhere between two and nine minutes. I think the standard is nine minutes, but they're willing to drop down to four minutes. Some drop even down to two minutes if it's uh, if the if it needs it. Do we go with uh, we have a guy who, as far as he knows, okay, he's normal, he's not a nut job. He says, "I have to drink." So we're Question is why? Is he going to dehydrate? What's he nervous about? I don't know. It depends on what's, what's going on with him. I don't know. you got to ask a doctor. That's right. The Gemara says if the Chayla says it, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. It gets complicated. You have to figure out what's cooking. But yeah, depending on the situation. Yeah. Um, very quickly, what else we have over here? I want to just, let's just see some of the numbers. So if you look over here, number 38, he thinks that the shear of Moli Lugma for your average person is 1.5, he thinks that you should take 1.25 ounces. And um, Rabbi, Rabbi Forsheimer says he spoke to doctors, and this, the pretty standard procedure is you give a chayla one ounce every nine minutes. I think that's what most, most Rabbanim do today. They hold that a Moli Lugmov. Is, is a little over an ounce, so you want to give less than a Mali Lugmov. So basically what they give the Chaylam is one ounce every nine minutes. Again, if you think they need more, then perhaps you can give them a little more as you see fit. There is a Shiloh in the place, do you, have to dilute, do you have to make that water bitter? Is a Chaylam allowed to have enjoyable water? So a Baliyash of health, it depends on what situation you're in. If you're already a Chaylam, you're already in a matzav of a chayla, then you don't have to make the water bitter. But if, let's say, for example, it's preventative. Let's say you have people that the doctor says you have to take this pill every day of your life, even on Yom Kippur. Right, diabetics or blood pressure or a lot of other things. So then Rabbi Yashifeld, in that case, you talk to take the pill, but you have to take the pill and you have to make the water bitter. You have to make the water not taste good. So if you go online, you can see Rabbi Yar Hafman has a whole concoction of how much, how, how, to, make, how, to, how to make the water bitter but not unbearable. Because it's unbearable, you can't drink it anyways. So he has a concoction where he puts in onion powder and garlic powder and salt. He has a whole concoction of how to do it. So I ain't sure if it's nagea. Shmuel Kamenetsky does right that he thinks that um, you don't have to. He thinks that even if you're just taking a pill, you don't have to make the water all uh, sweet and uh, sour. You just take the water however you need. The, if you just, the last two marmakarmists, I don't want to read inside because of, of, of it's late. He talks about an interesting child that someone asked me actually last year on Yom Kippur. What happens if a person faints in shul? happens uh, sadly very often people faint in shul what do you do with that person do you start giving them pachas pachas or do you start just giving them regular so Shmuel Kamenetsky assumes if someone faints or they feel very dizzy you treat them like a chayla and you already start giving them you don't start with the pachas pachas you give them already uh, you give them whatever they need you not start midactic the other thing Shmuel Kamenetsky talks about which I also don't understand is fever he has all these different if a person has X amount of fever he's already a chayla he doesn't fast again fever doesn't always mean you're I, I, I'm not a doctor so I'll be mocked in that but if you want to read on your own he has a whole different he basically says that there's a shayla in how high a fever is that the halach is with Mechal Shabbos for someone that has fever even though he does write himself that sometimes fever is just an indicator that there's an infection doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything you know terribly wrong or necessarily that you can't fast but Lamaisa he writes others write that if a person has a certain level of fever that they also perhaps would be allowed to eat so that's 
something to keep in mind if someone is not feeling well over Yom Kippur. Again, all these shalas are complex with so many nuances. So the best idea would be uh, if uh, discuss it with a Rav as best as you can when the situation does arise. Uh, we will not be having share now the way Yom Tov falls out until after, after Sukkot. Mr. Shem, the share after Sukkot, I want to talk about being in a hospital over Shabbos. It's, uh, I got quite a few shilas, usually, hopefully, for only good reasons about having babies, but sadly, there are other shilas, and I just got a new safer on the topic, so it's very, very exciting with all the new technology. So, Mitzvah Shemblin Neder, the Tuesday after Sukkot, we will discuss what you need to know when dealing with, a sh- with, dealing with the hospital over Shabbos and Yom Tov.